0: Welcome to this episode of the Plant Power Dog Podcast. Today, I want to welcome back Professor Andrew Knight to the podcast. Professor Knight has more credentials than I can even name in this introduction, but I'm gonna give it a try. Briefly, he is adjunct professor in the School of Environment and Science at Griffith University in Queensland, Australia. He's a visiting lecturer at the University of Winchester in the United Kingdom. He is an EBVS European and RCVS veterinary specialist in animal welfare science, ethics, and law, an American veterinary specialist in animal welfare, a fellow of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons, and a member of the Australian and New Zealand College of Veterinary Scientists animal welfare chapter. Professor Knight has authored numerous publications, academic articles, and books on animal welfare. He has also delivered hundreds of presentations and social media videos on vegan diets for companion animals and issues surrounding various aspects of human exploitation of animals. Professor Knight is currently the most important driving force for scientific research on the health, welfare, and sustainability of nutritionally sound vegan diets for companion dogs and cats. He continues to publish groundbreaking studies that consider important global realities that detail essential facts about vegan companion animal diets and that enable people like myself to work at a grassroots level, transitioning our four-legged friends from meat-based diets to ethical, sustainable, and nutritious plant-based diets. Today, I'm really excited to have Andrew here to discuss his most recent groundbreaking study titled, The Relative Benefits for Environmental Sustainability of Vegan Diets for Dogs, Cats, and People. So, whew, welcome back to the Plant Powered Dog Podcast, Andrew and congratulations on the publication of this groundbreaking study. What a massive accomplishment and i'm sure you're exhausted so thank you for being here <laughs> um, thank you very
1: much indeed for that very kind introduction now uh, i'm originally from <laughs> australia and i'm actually a failed uh, surfer so you know um i had to drop out and um so this is what i do instead but i'm hoping to one day uh pick it up again yeah. and uh and be more <laughs> successful but for now this is it
0: well you deserve to pick it up again now after the work on this study it's it's just amazing and the implications are really truly world changing i mean today i want to focus we've you know i've had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with you before but today i really want to focus on this research your findings um and the implications for how it will affect how we think about feeding our our companion animals and also ourselves which is which is interesting because you you, you know you took that into account too branching out into the how human diets and companion animal diets affect animal welfare and the environment. So first, for those who don't know about the new study, um, could you just give us a little background of it when you conceived it and, and what it's about?
1: Sure. So um, I conducted a detailed study of the ingredients used within um, pet food and also human diets, Uh, And was able to calculate what the environmental benefits would be if the world's dogs, cats and people were to all transition onto nutritionally sound vegan diets. Um, So I looked at the numbers of uh, um, land animals that are consumed by each of those groups, um, how many of those would be saved from slaughter, savings of greenhouse gases, land use, water use, pesticides, um, and also a number of additional people who could be fed with food energy savings. And the results were really quite spectacular.
0: Yeah. um, I found the results actually to be kind of astonishing, um, especially when it came to the number of animals that could be spared and the massive positive environmental impact. Um, Could you go into a little bit more detail about exactly what you found?
1: Yeah, so um, I looked at... um, dogs and cats within the United States uh, as the nation with the um, largest population of pet dogs and cats and also uh, companion dogs and cats globally. Uh, And for the US, I looked at the year 2020 because the um, previous year was the year in which um, for the first time a really large and detailed study of ingredients in pet food was produced. So this is the first time we had good data about uh, what animal and plant ingredients are used in pet food in the U.S. and what species they come from, what tonnages, and, of course, what the environmental impacts of, of all of those uh, uh, was. That that could then be determined. Um, it would have been ideal to um, look at the global population also in 2020, the same year, but there wasn't good data about the global populations of dogs and cats in 2020. So I used the, the nearest available year, which was 2018, Uh, for the the global uh, dogs and cats. And I was able to calculate that if all of the the world's um, dogs and cats went on to nutritionally sound vegan diets, uh, we would spare around about 7 billion land animals from being slaughtered each year, probably billions of fish and marine animals as well. Um, you would save vast quantities of greenhouse gases. For example, uh, if all the world's dogs transitioned onto nutritionally sound vegan diets, uh, you would save more greenhouse gases than all of those produced by the entire United Kingdom. Uh, In comparison, by the way, for human beings, if all the people transitioned onto uh, nutritionally sound vegan diets, you would um, spare around about 71 billion land animals from slaughter and save more greenhouse gases than all of those uh, emitted by the entire European Union. Uh, Finally, another really interesting fact was the number of additional people you could feed with the food energy that was saved because most of the um, uh, food energy is lost during the conversion from plant protein to animal protein, and which is then ultimately consumed by dogs, cats, and and people as as animal uh, sourced ingredients within diets. So if you could actually uh, directly consume that that plant protein, you'd have enormous uh, food energy savings. Actually, so the savings would be uh, if the world's dogs were transitioned onto nutritionally sound and vegan diet, you'd be able to feed about 450 million additional people, which is more than the entire population of the European mm-hmm. Union. Uh, and for humans, you'd be able to feed another 5.3 billion people, which is around about two thirds of the current population of the Earth, uh, with the food energy saved. So, staggeringly, staggeringly large uh, environmental benefits, and also numbers of additional people that could be fed if the world's dogs, cats, and people all transitioned onto nutritionally sound uh, vegan diets.
0: Right, and the land and water resources that could be saved. You mentioned the Amazon forest and what's happening there. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, if all the world's uh, dogs were transitioned onto a nutritionally sound vegan diets, you would free up land larger than Mexico. Uh, for humans, you'd free up land larger than Russia, which is the world's largest country, combined with India. So, vast quantities of land, you wouldn't need to be. Uh, cutting down for uh, growing feed crops to feed to livestock animals or to graze uh, livestock animals on pasture. Um, And of course, this is one of the biggest uh, consumers of land uh, in the world. Uh, So you would you would save all of that land.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's so inefficient to use crops and land and water to feed animals to feed other animals and people, right? It's like, Let's eliminate yeah, I mean, the middleman seems to make sense.
1: That's because most right. of the plant produce that you feed to livestock animals doesn't go directly into producing usable um, muscles, i.e., meat or milk or eggs. Most of it actually goes to simply supporting the bodily processes of livestock animals, um, mm. growth, maintenance, tissue repair, functions like that, rather than uh, supporting the direct production of usable products for people to consume. So it's a very inefficient process and most of the energy is, is lost during the conversion process. Um, this is referred to as the food conversion ratio and the ratios vary between the species, but they could be as poor as uh, 10 to 1 in the case of cattle. So you might lose 90% of the, the inputs during the conversion oh. process um, and they improve uh, with uh, pigs, poultry and fish. Uh, but even with fish, you're... you're you wouldn't get better than two to one or three to one. So you'd still be losing uh, at least half of what you put in, if, if not more than that.
0: And that's true. And you studied the sea animals as well. And you said that they're harder to quantify the losses, um, but you rank them in the, is it millions or billions? I've read trillions, uh, trillions at one trillions, point. Yeah. But the, so yeah. It's
1: harder with uh, fish and aquatic animals because uh Numbers are counted in tons rather than in in numbers of individual animals. But uh, on that basis and and on their average weights, you can work out the quantities that are being uh, killed for consumption every year. And it's between one to three trillion fish species globally, uh, and greater numbers of some other aquatic species. And the quantities used in pet food vary uh, within cat food for example there's a higher usage of fish than there would be in dog food but um, so it becomes harder to actually calculate uh, the amounts but if we were to conservatively estimate that even just one percent of all of um, these fish and aquatic animals will use within pet food which is probably a gross underestimate then the numbers of uh, aquatic animals will be in the billions that are being uh, killed each year for use in, in pet food
0: just in pet food. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So obviously these numbers are disturbing. They're staggering. Um, but what do you think the significance is? You know, I guess, what do you hope the significance will be? And what do you think it will be of this study? Well,
1: we have understood for quite some years, those of us who studies these these issues, that uh, the livestock sector is one of the largest consumers of land and fresh water and producers of greenhouse gases, probably around about the second largest producer of greenhouse gases after uh, fossil fuel burning for energy production. Um, So we've understood that that is major, and we've always assumed that that is attributable to human diets and human consumption of livestock animals. Uh, What this study shows is that actually the consumption of animals within pet food is a major uh, part of of this uh, globally, globally, it's at least 9% of all livestock produce consumption, probably significantly more. Mm. Uh, Within a wealthy nation such as the United States, it's at least 20% and, again, probably significantly more. So it's not uh, negligible. It is actually a major component of livestock animal consumption and the consumption of all these uh, animal parts, animal body parts by dogs and cats does need to be considered uh, when we are thinking about environmental sustainability and looking at whether the food system uh, should change. Uh, Clearly it should change. We know that um, business as usual is not an option. If we are to address the major challenges of climate change and environmental degradation and biodiversity loss, we can't carry on doing things uh, as we've always done them. We need to be looking at uh, systemic changes uh, in sectors such as energy production, and also the food system, the the largest um, consumers of land, fresh water, the largest producers of greenhouse gases. These are the sectors we need to be looking at, and that absolutely includes the livestock sector as one of the top priorities. So this study shows that uh, it's important that we do that for dogs and cats and not just for humans. Uh, and the other studies in, in this broader field that I've been doing in my um scientific colleagues have also been doing, have been looking at health outcomes and behavioural outcomes of dogs and cats maintained on nutritionally sound vegan diets, and they have also been establishing that uh, the health outcomes are generally as good or better, uh, providing that the diets are nutritionally sound for for dogs and cats. Uh, and behaviorally as far as we can tell from studying their behaviour, they, seem to enjoy these diets on average just as much as they enjoy uh, traditional meat-based pet foods as well. So that's all really good news for dogs and cats, but also for environmental uh, sustainability. Um, for It opens up the option of making major uh, differences to the environment, uh, to the climate change problem, if we could simply transition our dogs and cats onto nutritionally sound vegan diets, which would probably also bring about Uh, better health outcomes for them in some cases as well.
0: I've seen that myself for sure since 2018, and I've seen staggering, uh, really, health benefits transitioning them. And for me, there were several surprises in the data of this study. Maybe maybe not for you, but for me there were. And one of the biggest surprises um, for me was that we've long been kind of taught that, Byproducts are a good thing in pet foods because they use they recycle parts that would otherwise go to waste from the human food industry. So you know we're really not harming any more you know animals because they would just be discarded. So you actually found that that's not correct, and that non-human grade uh, products in pet foods contribute significantly. Could you just explain that?
1: Yeah, that was one of the exciting outcomes of this study. Uh, you're very right in in you know describing how we have understood the use of byproducts up until now. But this study enabled me to look at the ingredients that were used in dog and cat food in detail and work out what proportion were coming from byproducts and which were coming from meat and other ingredients that could have been consumed directly by humans. Uh, with respect to the byproducts of of animals being slaughtered for human consumption, um, I was able to look at the, the actual species that were being used and then go and find the research um, telling us how much of the carcasses of those different livestock animals and poultry uh, go into producing byproducts and how much go into producing meat. And it was able to work out how many average livestock animals you needed in order to supply all of those byproducts and all of the meat-based ingredients. And it turned out that more livestock animals were required to produce all of the byproducts than actually mm. for the uh, meat and the ingredients that are consumable by people. So it's a less efficient process. Mm.
0: So
1: that, that was very interesting. The second thing I was able to determine was that um, if these byproducts were not used in pet food, um, they wouldn't go to landfill. Um, it's not beneficial recycling of products that would otherwise be wasted. As a matter of fact, um, the animal byproducts are used in a, a wide range of other social industries, uh, varying from pharmaceuticals to consumer products to household products uh, to products that could be consumed by people with further processing. There's a very wide range of of social uses of animal byproducts. The pet food industry is a minority consumer of them, uh, probably only about a quarter yeah. of all of these byproducts consumed by pet food. If yeah. the pet food industry didn't consume these byproducts, they would actually be consumed by the other uh, industries that make make use of them. The use in byproducts simply drives up the overall price of these ingredients. But it's still significantly uh, cheaper than using meat that could be consumed by people, which is why there is still a high usage of byproducts in pet food. It's something that lowers the cost of pet food. Uh, It doesn't improve the quality. Obviously, it lowers the quality of of pet food that pets are consuming. Uh, And it increased the number of average livestock animals that are being required to be killed to produce um, byproducts. So it mm. actually increases the environmental impact. It doesn't decrease it, and it's not beneficial recycling.
0: Mm. That's really interesting because it's just contrary to everything we've been you know, taught. Exactly, yeah. Um, there
1: there, there yeah. are some indications in scientific literature uh, along similar lines, but there's been very little attention given to them. So we've all erroneously thought, uh, as you have described, that... Uh, byproduct use is beneficial recycling. Um, Obviously, I was able to identify that's incorrect and quantify how incorrect that is and how inefficient byproduct production is. And that was consistent with these previous mentions in the scientific literature that had received very little attention so far.
0: And another thing that really surprised me was, I mean, obviously, the statistics, the numbers you're giving are staggering, and they're so impactful. But you actually discuss how you might be even really underestimating the impact. And that's due to how you calculated. One of the reasons is due to how you calculated the actual number of dogs and cats consuming these foods. And could you just talk about that and how the effects might be so much greater than you even um, found?
1: Sure. So. This study uh, used 2018 uh, global populations for dogs and cats, and uh, that is kept dogs and cats, not counting the Australian free-roaming animals, many of whom are also fed uh, pet food, for example, by cat colony carers. So n- none of that's been in- included, so actually the impacts of pet food would be even higher than just looking at the kept dogs and cats. Globally, those kept numbers came from 2018. In the United States, they came from 2020, the current numbers of dogs and cats would be higher in both groups because pet ownership is increasing worldwide. So that's the first way in which the impacts of pet food have been underestimated compared to what they truly would be today. Another way would be that the um, energy required by dogs and cats, so the dietary energy, would uh, have increased since uh, those points in time because Unfortunately, the animals are becoming uh, ever more overweight and obese, and that yeah. actually increases uh, daily energy requirements. Another way is that uh, for dogs and cats, uh, I used the average body weights of dogs and cats, but I didn't do that for humans. For humans, I used the um, the age group that had the greatest energy requirements. It wasn't an average for all people. So the age group was 19 to 64 year old uh, humans, uh, adults. Uh, and for men they had a daily uh, energy requirement of 2500 kilocalories kilo for women it was 2000 kilocalories so i'd picked um the greatest possible energy requirements for humans but an average for dogs or cats so i was effectively overestimating the energy consumption of humans compared to dogs or cats so those are some of the ways in which um, the estimations of the impacts of pet food have been uh, are, are lower than what they they truly would be Additionally to that, there were multiple points in the calculations where we didn't have the uh, information or, or good enough information. And I had a range of um, choices that I could pick. And I always pick the most conservative option, the one that would give us the least impacts uh, for pet food. Mm. So we know, therefore, that the results um, underestimate the impacts and that the true effects of pet food would be higher than uh, can very conservatively estimated in this study. Yeah. And yeah, even those very conservative estimations are, are quite staggering. They show us that there are major environmental impacts of pet food and also major uh, benefits to environmental sustainability that are available through the use of nutritionally sound vegan diets.
0: Mm. So I had several aha moments reading this that I mentioned to you. And maybe you, maybe for you they were the same, but did you have any other particular aha you know, light bulb moments when you were doing this research that maybe you didn't expect? Or...
1: I, th- I think the key, one of the key ones was, as you have pointed out, uh, the really surprising result that actually the use of animal byproducts in food increased the uh, dietary ecological paw print. It didn't decrease mm-hmm. the ecological paw print. And secondarily, I suppose, just the, the sheer uh, size of the environmental impacts of all of this uh animal um ingredients animal source ingredients within pet food and what these savings would be when they were replaced by plant-based ingredients because no one's calculated that before and you need to you can't simply get rid of the um, animal impacts and have a result you need to replace it with the impacts that would be would still be there if you use plant-based ingredients uh, you need to work out what the difference is, and nobody had done that before. And even when I, I did all of that, the, the differences resulted in massive environmental savings and food energy savings. So that was exciting. There was also um, a very big difference between dogs and cats, uh, and sure. it clearly showed that the focus for environmental sustainability needs to be on dogs, uh, and mm-hmm. especially medium to large breed dogs uh, I reviewed all of the other studies that had been conducted in this field so far, and they're they're described in the discussion. And one of those noted uh, quite large differences between, say, large breed dogs and uh, toy breed dogs. I think the differences in environmental impact were around about 12 to 1. So there can be, and, and the environmental impacts of the large and giant breeds can be greater than those of people. So because of the much bigger consumption of of animal produce by these very large dogs. So um, yes, uh, all dogs are not the same. Uh, Dogs on average uh, are much more consequential than than cats in terms of uh, the impacts of the commercial pet food that they consume. Uh, And there are really enormous uh, environmental sustainability benefits for transitioning uh, all of these groups, dogs, cats, and people as well cats are not inconsequential. If we were to transition all of them onto nutritionally sound vegan diets, we'd be able to feed more people than the entire United Kingdom population with the food mm. energy savings and, and free up land larger than Germany. And um, so, so mm. cats are not inconsequential, inconse- but they're just uh, completely eclipsed by the savings associated with uh, transitioning dogs onto nutritionally sound vegan
0: diets. Well, like you say, dogs can be as large as people. And whereas a, a human omnivore might eat a salad one night for dinner and pasta another night. You know, the dog, I know from when I was formulating these diets, it's just meat, 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 meat every day, day in and day out. And especially with this the raw food um, feeding movement, it's tremendous amounts of meat that they consume. So, and if you're looking and, the
1: other way and the dog does eat your uh, salad or <laughs> pasta dinner, it's still going to turn up at its food bowl later on, denying all knowledge and, and demanding <laughs> more of that that same uh, diet <laughs> that you were just describing. So it's not going to yep. decrease their environmental impacts.
0: No, exactly. So, I mean, this is all, I mean, I think for, for the discerning mind, this is, you know, um, sure makes a lot of sense and it's very convincing. Obviously, we know that there are a lot of people out there who have beliefs about how dogs and cats should eat. Um, what sort of resistance have you gotten or do you expect to get from this study?
1: Yeah, there are two main concerns that uh, people have, and that is, uh, will their um, animals be healthy on vegan diets? Um, And the other one is, will they be happy uh, if they have been used to eating meat, as most of them have been? So with respect to the first uh, point, health, there are now nine studies in dogs, and indeed three on cats, showing that four animals maintained on these diets, and in some cases, we're talking about thousands of animals and long-term studies. uh, The health outcomes seem to be as good uh, or better. Uh, The benefits uh, are very consistent across all of the studies. And there've been no studies that, um, um, other than you know the oldest, smallest study with the least realistic sample size in dogs, there is one study in uh, in dogs, and there's one in cats in which a, a diet that was formulated to be deficient in potassium resulted in signs of potassium deficiency eventually. But apart from those studies, there are no studies okay. that show any any, <laughs> any uh, contrary results. So virtually all of the studies around have shown uh, health outcomes as good or better. Sometimes they're quite striking. Uh, a study published last year of nearly 1,200 dogs showed that um, the previously owned dogs uh, lived for uh, an average of one and a half years longer if they were on a vegan diet. And that's like a person living about an extra decade uh, at the end of their lifespan, which is Clearly a really big difference. Um, And they're not just living longer, they're having better quality of lives because they seem to have lower rates of um, itchy skin, ear canal problems, things which adversely impact their quality of life. And they tend to have uh, a reduction in being overweight or obese and better mobility and reduction in musculoskeletal disorders as well. So these are the sorts of benefits that are coming up consistently across multiple studies. So it's very exciting for the welfare of dogs and cats. It translates into cost savings for people because uh, we have calculated in our research uh, what are the reductions in uh, needing medication, needing to visit veterinarians, reduction in rates of illness, uh, all of those things uh, translate into economic savings for the the mm-hmm. um, pet parents um, that have to pay for those bills. And of the other the second point was the happiness of these animals eating their diets and That's been studied in a range of smaller studies, but also a big one that we published two years ago, looking at the um, behavioural outcomes of more than 2,300 dogs and 1,100 cats, uh, looking at every behavioural indicator that had ever been identified of how much animals enjoyed their different diets. And we looked at the extent to which these uh, were consistent and different between plant-based and meat-based diets, and we found that on average um, dogs and indeed cats consuming uh, nutritionally sound vegan diets seem to be enjoying their meals as much as those uh, eating uh, traditional meat-based diets as well. So that really uh, addresses the key concerns that, that people have: concerns about health and happiness of their animals. And you know, there only seem to be benefits. There certainly aren't disadvantages uh, with respect to to health uh, and behaviour.
0: And obviously, you studied and you do study cats as well as dogs. Um, I admittedly, you know, am a dog nutritionist. I don't study cats. I I am very interested, though, in what you're finding. And so because we've talked a lot about cats, and I've actually had more and more people asking me about uh, plant-based diets for cats. Could you talk a little bit about another recent study that you just published and what it found on the health benefits um, of vegan diets, nutritionally sound vegan diets for cats? Yeah,
1: so we uh, studied health outcomes in 1369 cats, so that's a really large scale study, um, the largest so far, actually, and we looked at the um, prevalence of uh, general indicators of illness Um and also specific health disorders uh, in all of these cats. And then we looked at the diets that they were on, whether they were on vegan diets or or meat-based diets. And we found that um, for average cats, so I should say that we first controlled for differences between the dietary groups in age, sex, uh, uh, cat location, indoors, outdoors, uh, and so on. And after controlling for all of those, we then worked out uh, the chances for an average cat, average age, average sex, average location, so on, of showing signs of illness. And this was lower for cats-fed vegan diets than for yeah. cats-fed meat-based diets. And we, we calculated what the mm. risks were and what the reduction in risks of these adverse outcomes was uh, with the vegan mm. diet. And the reduction in risk of general indicators of illness, so that is things like uh, how likely the cats were to need medication uh, or to visit mm. vets an unusually high number of times, which might indicate treatment for an illness, all of these sorts of things. The, the reductions in, in those sorts of things for cats on a, on a vegan diet uh, varied from about 4 up to about 55%. Um, mm. That was quite substantial. We also looked at the 22 most common health disorders in cats, and we found that uh, 15 of those were most common in cats fed meat and seven of those were most common in cats fed uh, vegan diets. Um, Almost none of these differences were statistically significant, but collectively they constitute a strong trend, um, indicating that the, uh, the cats fed vegan diets tended, they had a tendency towards having better health outcomes, actually. They certainly didn't Mm. have worse health outcomes. So that's very exciting for people that are interested in health and and well-being of their cats and, of course, environmental sustainability too because it opens up the possibility of of us being able to achieve all of the environmental benefits uh, uh, mentioned for cats uh, if we feed them nutritionally sound diets, vegan diets. And I know,
0: yes, and I know that when people contact me, um, they're kind of last bit of holding on to purchasing and touching animal parts, you know, meat, is to feed their, in my case, to feed their dog. And there's an immense amount of sort of freedom, I think, that is, um, you know, related to being able to give that up. And it feels, I think, really good. So your studies, your research, are really helping so many people on a grassroots level to have the confidence to, you know, stop purchasing meat, stop handling meat, and still feel confident that they'll have what they want, healthy, happy animal companions. So it's it's just so important. Um, I hope, I know it, I know it's having the effect on a grassroots level. I hear it. I hope that it's going to have the effect on the pet food industry in general. I what what do you think about that? I mean do you see how do you see this in the next five, 10 years? Um, do you think that these studies are making their way through, you know, to that world? I'm sure they, they are, but are they really resonating?
1: Yeah. So most of this research has just been published within the last two years. Some of it is still forthcoming. Um, and it has still to trickle down to the, uh, pet owning world. Um, there is a lot of interest. There has been a lot of coverage of the recent studies you've mentioned, which is fantastic. Um, and I've seen an explosion of new um, vegan pet food brands being developed by companies and brought to market, which is great. Nevertheless, uh, it's still difficult in some parts of the world to get access to them, and we need more of them. Uh, We know that uh, convenience for consumers is a key uh, determinant of what they choose to buy, so it's important that these products um, do become uh, available, and they are increasingly becoming available uh, easily uh, around the world. But I expect that concerns about climate change, greenhouse gases, environmental sustainability are only going to increase, not not decrease. Uh, this has got to be one of the easiest predictions uh, I'll, I'll ever make. Uh, according, <laughs> accordingly, accordingly, uh, interest in the environmental benefits associated with plant-based diets, which are are incredibly clear and supported by uh, amazingly consistent, strong evidence. Uh, uh, will become of increasing interest. Those those benefits are being clearly reported for human diets. And, and now we have uh, this study quantifying how big those benefits would be for animal diets as well. So I would expect um, the transition onto these diets to uh, gather pace. Uh, and the main factor, I think, holding... Um, Holding the tide back at the moment would be lack of awareness of all of this new scientific information that's recently become available in the last two years. Uh, so that's changing. It's being widely reported. There is a lot of interest, but most of the pet owning world still would not yet be aware. And lack of product availability, that's changing too as companies pile in and bring new products to market. However, uh, we need more of them still. Um, so it should be a very exciting growth area and a great um, space to watch, I think, for the future. <laughs>
0: And I think another important aspect of all of this, and, and I hope that your studies will um, really resonate with veterinarians because that's another uh, story that I hear often from my clients is that they're veterinarians, not all, but many are staunchly against uh, even nutritionally sound vegan diets that you know they have, depending on how strong their opinions are, they're either a little against it or they've even gone so far as to really um, uh, say some pretty fantastical things, uh, you know, to my clients on the topic. Do you see this changing? Do you see these studies affecting the industry, which seems to be sort of slow moving in this regard?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, the British Veterinary Association is currently uh, revising their position on this issue based upon all of the new evidence that has come to life. I had the pleasure of presenting to them recently, summarising a lot of this research, Um, and they seemed uh, very open uh, to uh, learning about it, and environmental sustainability is certainly an important concern to them and to the, uh, I suppose, the broader veterinary profession as well. Uh, UK Pet Food, which is the Pet Food Manufacturers Association in the United Kingdom, has recently revised its fact sheet on vegan and vegetarian diets, which you can find on their website, affirming that... These uh, are legitimate products and good products when they're formulated to be nutritionally sound and some of their member uh, manufacturer companies are making those as well. So that's progress. Um, Most veterinarians are are not aware of all of this research because they are so busy. uh, They don't even have time to read a lot of their own veterinary journals, let alone read uh, wider journals where this research has been reported. veterinarians are certainly taught to be open to good scientific evidence and to try to adopt evidence-based positions. The key misunderstanding seems to be that um, the assumption that people are making their own vegan diets uh, at home and not purchasing diets which have been formulated by responsible companies to be nutritionally sound, hopefully working with veterinary nutritionists and other nutritional experts to produce diets that are nutritionally sound. So Uh, A lot of veterinarians just just not aware that those diets exist uh, and that there has been a major change in this area recently, many more of these diets becoming available and also not aware of the evidence uh, concerning positive health outcomes and other positive benefits of these diets. So um, it would be very helpful if uh, veterinary journals could uh, briefly summarise this research uh, and and report it because vets have uh, some time to read those journals. But for people seeing veterinarians, I would suggest not printing out the entire article and taking them to your vet because they won't have any time to read it, but perhaps printing out the abstract, the front page, uh, and taking taking that or or several of those if you want to include some of the health outcome studies as well. Those would be the most important ones uh, for vets. Take them along and explain that a lot of recent research has occurred in this area. Our understanding is, is, is changing, has changed. We now understand that um, the studies in this field show uh, health outcomes which are as good or better for animals providing the diets are formulated to be nutritionally sound. If a vet still won't listen to that very reasoned uh, argument, then clearly you need to find another vet. Um, But many of them should be or will be open to uh, that kind of uh, reasoned argument and, and brief provision of information.
0: I agree. They should be scientists, and they should be open-minded, and that's why it's important to get these studies out to, for me to get them out to, on a grassroots level, to my clients and to my followers, because I think that is how you can affect a lot of change as well, Um, just, you know, coming from what people want, from what the veterinarian's clients want for their animals, Um, so Thank you. Thank you for everything you do, which allows people like me to do what I do. Um, And that's that's huge. It's huge for the health of our animals, which you've shown of our, you know, for me, the health of the dogs that my canine clients that I've seen since 2018 with amazing health benefits. Um, It's amazing for all animals who will be spared and be able to live, which is what they want to do. And it's so important for the future of our world um, and future generations. So thank you once again. I know you're one of the busiest human beings that there are, and you always take the time out to talk to us. And I really appreciate it. So keep those studies coming. <laughs> don't, don't go surfing just yet. Keep them coming. So.
1: Thank you very much indeed. And thanks so much for your help in uh, getting the word out to, to uh, yeah. Pet Guardians everywhere. Thank you.